by and uh, Matt came by and handed me the shirt for uh, for 2020, right? And so I thought, well, I got the least I can do is sport this thing on Sunday morning. And uh, if it's going into mass production, we haven't worked out our royalties yet. But um, you know, anyway, it's just a thought. Um, <clears throat> so. Uh, this morning, um, I'm going to get into the Word in just a minute. There's some, uh, we have uh, notes uh, around, right there around your seats, also in uh, version. if you have the version Bible or version app on your phone, um, you can uh, look for live events. If you go into the more section in events, you, uh, all the notes are right there. Um, we have, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put them on the spot, but missionaries are used to this. Can I have our dear friends uh, that we just got to know uh, from Zimbabwe to stand? Uh, it's uh, Ron and Larry uh, Allen. They're here uh, for some training. And uh, they are Assemblies of God World Missionaries, the only AG missionaries in Zimbabwe at all. So if you want to meet some pioneers like unto the Apostle Paul, you can uh, go talk to these folks because they are going where uh, nobody else is, and so we, we commend you, and uh, so uh, we're excited that they're here with us. They met with our missions group yesterday, um, and uh, we're, we're, we're excited to just walk alongside of them. Um, so we're getting into, uh, we're, we're doing a series uh, called uh, uh, See Jesus, uh, Speak Jesus. This is our, uh, our month to talk about vision, to talk about who we are as a, a body of Christ and who we are as a unique expression of the, the local church. And uh, so that's the message I'm getting into today. Uh, the message I want to talk to you today is, is called Close Encounters. It has to do with our own uh, worship uh, to the Lord, our own intimate worship to the Lord. This is actually a message I preached last year. One of the things that I've discovered uh, over the years is that uh, just because you said something doesn't mean everybody got it. That's one. Uh, another, th- another thing is uh, there are, I'm just kind of boring and I've got to repeat myself from time to, no. Um, Here's what I've learned. People don't get what you say. They get what you keep saying. And so there are some things that I just have to keep saying. And, uh, and one of those has to do with the vision of this house. Um, we, we as people forget. We leak vision. We don't constantly remember it. And so having regular reminders is helpful. Uh, the older I get, the more regular reminders I appreciate. And uh, so uh, I'm going to be sharing a word that's uh, not unfamiliar, though I will be adding different things. I was telling the 8 o'clock crowd, I said, you know, I don't know why I get so uptight about having to preach something a second time. Uh, I said, the, you know, the, the 8 o'clock sermon is much different than the 10 o'clock sermon. Um, I, sometimes I have people say, you know, we got the same notes, but it's not the same message that we got. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish I, I wish I could, like, I don't know, maybe I'm not supposed to cookie cutter it. I don't know. I do my best to aim in that direction. But I also uh, pray every day that the Holy Spirit will help me to communicate the Word. And uh, and I believe that he knows what you need to hear, not what just what I need to say, but what you need to hear. And so I believe he tailors the message for the ear of the hearer at the same time. So uh, all of that said, so uh, we're going to talk today about things that are important to us as a as a body here and why we do what we do um, here in the at Lighthouse and the way we do it. Uh, here in this house. Um, and so it's important for us to understand, You, all of us probably come from different church backgrounds. I know we have uh, a lot of folks here uh, because they're here for water baptism today. We have how many today? 
12. We have 12 young people that are going get to get water baptized at the end of the service. Last year, we had 47 people. The entire year this year, we had 12 young people on just the second Sunday. Isn't that amazing? And so I believe God's just going to continue to increase that. So we're excited. If you're here as a guest, we welcome you and uh, hope, hope that you'll walk with us. And maybe some of what I have to, to, to uh, share today will maybe uh, make some things clearer about our worship service this morning. So in the, in the Word, uh, as we walk together, one of the things I want you to understand is that uh, the church I see understands who they are and why they are here. I think there's a lot of things that happen in Christianity that we just kind of are mindless about. We just kind of jump on the train and do what everybody else is doing, and as long as I mimic that, I'm okay. But, you know, God wants us to engage with Him. He wants us to understand why we do what we do. He wants us to understand who we are, what our identity in Christ is, and who we can be as a people. And so uh, part of my job is to help you to understand how you relate to the Lord and how you relate to the Lord through the Word of God, how He sees you as an individual. And uh, so what I want us to do today is get into this Word and talk about a little bit about worship. We're going to talk about some other things, but point one is going to be the primary focus of where we go. In John chapter 4, verse 23, would you read this out loud with me? If it helps you to stand, you can stand, but you don't have to today. Uh, John 4, 23, yet a time is coming, out loud, come on, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, this is the, the words of Jesus, and, uh, and so he is uh, communicating to his disciples about a time coming and has now come. Jesus is talking about the moment that he was on the scene. He was describing the fact that it's not the same way anymore. It's not like it used to be. He's talking to his disciples at that time. He's saying, this is, this is not the Old Testament time. This is the New Testament time. There's a new thing that God is up to. He said, a time is coming and has now come. While he is standing there, he's saying, this is the moment. Touch your neighbor and say, this is the moment. You know, you and I live in this continuum of time that God is a, an eternal God, but he sets a continuum of time for us to understand. And we need to realize there are moments, unique moments that God wants us to buy up. He says, redeem the time for the days are evil. We need to know what time it is, church. We need to know what moment it is. We need to understand that the Spirit of God has some mercy that he wants to pour into our new moments. His mercies are new every, mor every morning, the Scripture says. That doesn't mean they just get a refresh. That means there's a whole new dimension of mercy that God has for you today that he didn't have for you yesterday. Did God have it? Yeah, but you didn't need it. But today's a new day, and so you get new mercies, fresh mercies for the day. Isn't that amazing? This, uh, uh, just yesterday, we honored uh, 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 Mother Maria, uh, 96 years old, went to be with the Lord back in November, and uh, she's Linda Mosley's mom, uh, lived for uh, most of her life up in New York, and then uh, in, when she was 94, moved down here? 
94 years old, left her church of, of all those years, 50, 60 years that she was in the same church, and then she came in to be part of Lighthouse. And uh, at 94 years old, when we first met her, uh, wonderful sister from Puerto Rico, loved Jesus with all her heart. Um, one of the no most notable things that I saw about this little woman is the first thing that she did every time she'd come to church was get on her knees at her chair. Now, all my excuses for not getting on my knees went out the window the first time I saw a 94-year-old get on her knees before the Lord. But she knew something that I think the Scripture wants us to understand, and that is that worship is for God. Worship is for God. You, you make a sacrifice for God. You worship because God is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our sacrifice. He's worthy of what we can do to lay down at his feet. Here's the thing Jesus wants us to understand. He says, a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit and in truth. We engage our entire being in worship. We don't go on autopilot. We don't go on cruise control. We, it's not good enough to have last year's words in our, in our, in our worship language because we're talking to a living God. We, 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 you wouldn't say the same thing to a person that you love over and over. You say, I love you, but you say it in a multiplicity of different ways, don't you? You, you say it in different dimensions. You say it with gifts. You, you say it with your heart. You say it with your soul. You demonstrate love in all of these different ways. And when we come before the Lord, there are ways that we can worship God that will, that will bring us into more clarity of understanding who Jesus is. Jesus says worshipers should worship in spirit and in truth. We don't worship, uh, we don't worship the Father the way we want. We worship the Father the way he wants. Just because you're American doesn't mean you get it any way you want it to be. Because God's not American. God's not Republican. God's not Democrat. God's not gluten-free. I just started meddling with somebody right there. God's not vegan. God is God. God is God, and we can't come to him on, on the basis of our likes and our dislikes or the basis of what I will and won't do. God is God. He's the one that gets to set the parameters. He's the one that says, you jump this high. He's the one that sets the standards of worship. And all of heaven orders itself around the living God. So yesterday's worship is too stale. And what you did last week isn't good enough anymore. You've got to come in, in spirit and in truth. The spirit is the part of you that engages with God, but truth provides the parameters by which we say, okay, this is on and this is off. This is not the way, this is the way. And so the scriptures provide that truth for us that we can keep our worship on track I want to uh, talk to you, uh, it's, it's not in your notes, but Romans chapter 12, I want to talk to you about the importance of physical worship. This is where, this is where things get uh, a little, for, for people to get a little bit embarrassed or a little bit like uncomfortable. If you're used to a church setting 
where everybody comes in and they sit down and they stand when the preacher says stand and they sit down and, and they just get in. And, and yet, you, did you discover we're not that way? Now, some of you, if you're a guest here, you probably, you probably uh, uh, had coffee with two or three people just having a discussion trying to figure out, should we really go to that church or not? Is it socially acceptable? Can we go? To, I, I thought, you know, it's funny. Last week, uh, uh, last week when I asked for a show of hands of, of from here's and come here's, I, I already knew the answer. I mean, I've already, we're a blended family. Holly's a from here and I'm a come here. We're a blended family. And, uh, and, and so, but I already knew, you know, that, that, and that's an interesting study for me. You know, 30 years I've been puzzling over that. Why do people go to the churches that they go to, right? And uh, one, at one point in a, and this is, this is, let me just boast in the Lord for a second. Uh, uh, probably about 15 years ago, there was a, uh, uh, there was a, a new members class when we did them. Uh, there was a new members class sitting in my living room and there were 10 couples there and all of them were mixed race couples. And I rejoiced. I said, praise God, this is the way it's supposed to be, right? Uh, we're, we're, not, we're not segregated around here. We are integrated as the people of God. We're looking for people who want to worship in spirit and in truth. That's it. We don't care what color you have. You know, we, don't, we don't care about your bank account. We don't care what car you drive. We're just here to worship in spirit and in truth. And in that, we come together in unity. And wor so worship is for God. There was another thing I wanted to point out to you, uh, that his worshipers must, Jesus said his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, there's, a, there's an understanding that I want you to get a hold of, is that your spirit is down on the inside of you, but it finds expression through your physical body. Are you with me? You know, and and so uh, physical worship is 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 Bible worship. Using your body to worship the Lord is a is a biblical uh, uh, you know is a is a biblical mandate. Let me uh, let me read to you. I'm just going to outline for you 21 physical expressions of worship that are uh, that are talked about in Scripture: kneeling, clapping hands, singing hymns and psalms, weeping, laughter, reading the word aloud, bearing witness aloud. In other words, saying Amen. That's worship. Laying on of hands, joining hands, exchange of prayer requests, uh, prostrating yourself before the Lord, uh, uh, talking together in groups, lifting your heads, upraised hands, verbalized praise, right hand of fellowship, standing, um, silence, we had some of that earlier, uh, spiritual song, speaking in tongues and dancing before the Lord, 21 different physical expressions of worship to God. But yes, some of us, our worship language is like this. Get a lot more excited than that about lunch. <laughs> just a thought. Uh, this is just in the FYI department. These are notes from Jack Hayford and uh, his Encyclopedia of Worship. D do you know that there, in, in one chapter, 2 Chronicles 20, there are 11 different Hebrew verbs for active physical worship, and they're found in one chapter. That was active worship in the Old Testament. Think about it. You know, to bow in deference to, to prostrate before, to fall down or, or, or do homage to royalty, to boast in the Lord, to call out in a loud voice, to hold out the hand, to, to chirp or creak or sing. See, now that's encouraging to me. Some of us can't sing, but we can chirp. And if you can't chirp, surely you can creak, right? 
Some of us, we creak when we get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> Lord, I offer this creak as a sacrifice of worship. <laughs> oh. To sing a hymn, to kneel, to be gleeful, and to brighten up. I love that. Okay, so worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And I'm, I'm going to get into another scripture to talk about physical worship in a minute. But the word worship in the Greek is the word proskuneu, which means to bow before. Now, quite literally, quite literally the word picture means to elevate the heart above the head, which means I have to kneel down and I have to physically place my head beneath my heart. What's that about? Because God is not a head God. God is a heart God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, God appeals to us on the basis of our affections, not on the basis of our understanding. And those of us who need more understanding would say amen. Because here's the beauty of the fact that you can know God but not know everything. You know, some of us, our heads get us into trouble, don't they? Our heads, I just don't understand. Don't let that stop you. It doesn't stop you from turning the light on even though you don't know how electrons work. You flip the switch, right? You, you may not know a lot of things, but that doesn't stop you from operating. And I don't know why, but when I kneel before the Lord... I, I sense a humility in my spirit. Why? Because when I'm walking around and praying, guess what? I, I get busy doing other things. I know y'all are like this. Okay, if not, just I'm, I'm a worse sinner than you in this regard. And uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll be walking and praying, but then, you know, my walk, then I got to go straighten something up. And then, oh, I notice something's dirty. And then I got to go get the, I got to go get the broom and, and fix it. I walk and, you know, and pretty soon I'm like, I'm, I, I can't tell if I'm, 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 Praying while I'm working or working while I'm praying. Are you with me? Yeah. It's harder to do when you do this, though. I'm in one location. My mind is fixed. My heart is fixed. I'm humbling myself before him, recognizing that it's his work. It's his power. It's his glory. Not because I'm slick or smart. Not because I got it all going on. It's because of him. It's because of him. You find him on your knees through physical acts of worship. I'm going to take you a step further in this idea of physical worship uh, today because I, I just feel like I need to, I need to plow this road, uh, row out, okay? Uh, you know, when we talk about uh, intimacy in marriage, we're obviously talking about physical, our physical bodies, physical union between a husband and wife, intercourse involves our physical body. And yet, why would we think that God wouldn't expect our physical body to be involved in worship of him? Right? If the highest expression of intimacy uh, between two people on the planet by which covenant is formed, blood covenant is formed between a man and a woman, there is no other blood covenant that can stand against that uh, because it's established under the Lord in his blood covenant with the world, blood had to be shed, but it was physical. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says in, uh, he says in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 
The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will, also, he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he unites himself with a prostitute or with pornography? Is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. He's talking about our physical body and how that, uh, that when we join our, our physical body sexually in a way that's immoral, we are partnering up with, with uh, the things that are demonic. But in a real sense, uh, we shortchange the Lord on our physical worship of him because, well, I'm just not that way. I just don't lift my hands. I just don't clap. I just don't dance before the Lord because that's not my style. That's not way, the way I've come up. You fill in the blank. Can I just tell you that a lot of those excuses are just pride masquerading as an excuse? That when I come before the Lord, I don't have any excuse for how I worship. You know, we talked about it last week. Every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess, believers and unbelievers alike, because King Jesus rules the world, period. There is no, do you think so, do what do you think, what do I think, it doesn't matter. This is a reality. You might enter into a conversation with people that don't believe in gravity anymore. I refuse to be bound by the laws of gravity. Okay. Oh, well, you know, God, God wants us to understand that uh, the, way, uh, the way we worship matters and that Romans chapter 12 tells us that when we come before the Lord, he said, uh, he said that our, our worship, he said, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, uh, but uh, by the renewing of your mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then he says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to the Lord. Taking those times where your heart is elevated above your head, that you worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, not because you understand everything, not because it feels right, but because he's worthy. And let me just push this just a little bit further. Can I tell you one of the things that is the most death-dealing to worship? Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is one of the most death-dealing things to worship because Jesus himself said, when you come before uh, to, to offer your gift and you there realize that somebody has ought in, in, in their heart against you or you have ought in your heart against somebody else, he said, leave your gift there and then go make it right and then come back and offer your gift. Why is that? Because somewhere along the line in your heart or mind, we have elevated a circumstance, we've elevated our will, we've elevated something that happened in our past, we've elevated a conflict, we've elevated something along that line, and, it, and we've allowed it to get between us and the Lord. Jesus said, deny yourself, 
take up your cross and follow me. And if you've allowed something to get between you and the Lord, the first thing that gets affected is by your worship. Is your worship. Every time what, you, you feel hindered in your worship, you feel like I can't enter in, you, you, uh, you, you come up with all kinds of reasons why you can't uh, come before the Lord and, and uh, worship you, you. Excuse after excuse after excuse. The problem with that kind of thinking the problem with that kind of thinking is that the secret to uh, spiritual success, all spiritual success begins in an atmosphere of praise and worship. Everything God is doing emanates forth from an atmosphere of praise and worship. Uh, you know, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain, and our first works need to be worship of the living God. Are you with me? Worship of the living God. So don't choose something uh, that, uh, that is, uh, you know, that you've allowed some unforgiveness somewhere, some lack of reconciliation. Don't let that be the thing that separates you and your worship. Let's go on. Uh, so here's the thing in your notes. I'm just going to help you fill in some blanks. We are front row worshipers, not back row believers. Now don't turn around and look see who's in the back row. That's not the point. Here's the point. We need to lean into what God is doing. We need to go find what God is doing. Lord, I want to pursue you. I want to pursue you at the altar. I don't want to be a person that's, a, that's a, a bystander standing back waiting for God to do something. If you will seek God, you'll be a continual finder of God. If you're a seeker, you'll be a finder. That's a promise in Scripture. But a lot of times we coast. A lot of times we sit back. Oh, I don't see God doing anything. Well, you haven't looked. Here's the thing I've, I'm, I'm convinced of at any given time, God is doing 10,000 things in your life, and you might be aware of three. You've got you to have eyes to see. Jesus, I want to see what you're doing. Show me what you're doing. You know what? We have a better covenant than they had in the Old Testament, and one prophet said to his servant one time, you go out there and look. Lord, open his eyes. Let him see that there are more who are with us than against us. And sometimes all we see is what we see with our eyes, and we don't see with our spiritual eyes. Um, secondly, the word is for us to strengthen us for our calling. We're not going to be a church that's just about worship, but we have prioritized worship because the word tells us that God is preeminent. And worship of God has to be done in an excellent way. It has to be done in a, in a comely way. It has to be done in an attractive way. Uh, a way not to attract other people, but that we can help people see Jesus. Does that make sense? And so our worship, uh, because we're people of the word, we prioritize worship. But the word is for us. Uh, this past uh, week, uh, Jerry Johnson and Jim Johnson, Dr. Westman and myself, we went to see Brother Harry. Uh, Brother Harry Holland uh, had been, has been an elder in this house uh, probably 30 years or more. He's an honorary elder. We uh, gave him that title probably 15 years ago now. Um, he's 91, am I right? 91, 90, 91. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm ready to start having birthday. Stop having birthdays anytime. Uh, so I, I'm not too worried. Once you once you get uh, you know past 85, I'm I'm not sure. I want to count. Um, but. Um, Anyway, Brother Harry, uh, we went in to see him, and we had communion with him. And, and uh, I want to guess in the, in the half hour, I, did, I wasn't counting, but in the half hour that we were there, that man must have quoted no less than 20 scriptures. And in our conversation on the way out, uh, we, were, we were talking about how he looked and everything. And, you know, he, he had a smile on his face, had joy the whole time, didn't, didn't he, Jim? He, he, was just, he was just the same Harry we knew. He wanted to, if you knew Brother Harry, Brother Harry's quite tall. And he had very big feet. 
and, uh, and he would always uh, sit right over here in this section here, and he would dance. All, you know, the, the 30 years that I know him, he, Brother Harry was picking them up and putting them down. I mean, they were like German U-boats. He had big feet. And yet he was, he was going to dance and clap the whole, sur- the whole time that the songs would, would do it. And, uh, and he always, every time he met you, he said, let me give you a holy roll of hug. So you had a holy roller hug every time you saw Brother Harry. And so he wanted to give us all a holy roller hug. And when, when we got ready to go and we were talking, we said, you know, I, this, this thought didn't occur to me. But after Dr. Westman mentioned it to me, I agreed with her. You know, uh, I, I said, you know, his, his mind is pretty sharp. She said, no. She said, it really wasn't. He didn't mention any of our names. He didn't know who we were. But he still had his joy. Because he put the word down in on the inside, and as soon as as soon as one one word was a trigger, and then he was off quoting another scripture, and he'd quote scripture to us, and he just encouraged our hearts and encouraged our hearts, and you know what he was he was right there. Why? Because uh, he wor- he knew how to worship in spirit and in truth. He knew how to put the word in, and even if his mind wasn't all there, it, the word was in his spirit. It wasn't in his mind. He, he, he wasn't sitting there trying to remember it. It bubbled up on the inside. Can I tell you that God's word will sustain you on your worst day? Because that's what God's word does. The, the scripture tells us uh, here in your notes, uh, Hebrews uh, 1, 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Even when your mind isn't there, the word is still there. If you'll put the word in when you don't need it, you'll have it when you, when you do need it, right? If you'll just keep putting the word of God in your life, you keep saturating your soul with the word of God. When you don't know what to do, God's word will rise up on the inside of you. You'll have the answers you need. Can I just tell you, be a person of the word. Be a person that doesn't, you know, I, I love devotionals, but to a point, because here's the problem. Sometimes they give you one verse that's like 15 words and then uh, 250 words of what somebody else said about it. I Just give me the word. Just give me the word, because the word is the word, not what somebody else said about the word is the word. The word's the word, right? Word. Thank you. Don't meditate about the word. Don't talk about the word. Speak the word. Right? Sometimes we, we, we miss that. Sometimes I, I get in prayer meetings and they talk more about, uh, about prayer than actually praying. Happened this week, a bunch of ministers. One guy got in there and started browbeating everybody why they weren't. Uh, it was a prayer meeting. He's saying, we, we should pray more. We should. I'm like, I'm here to pray. <laughs> Don't beat me up because I'm trying to do the right thing. I mean, you know, just let's pray. That's the point. The point is not talking about prayer. The point is to pray, right? So let's be people of the word. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word arms you for what you need. Can I just tell you, and I'm I'm not saying this because I'm a preacher. I'm saying this because this is my personal experience. That God's word will help you be a, a better husband. God's word will help you in your workplace. You will have more wisdom at your fingertips and accessible when you need it. God's word put down on the inside of you will give you confidence to lead in a time when you did. And nobody else knew what to do, but you knew what to do. 
because you put the word down on the inside. There was something that you'd heard. There was a testimony. There was something that happened that you got a hold of the word of God. And, and you found you get, you'll get promotions because you're a person of the word. You'll get if, the, if everybody is equal and skills and experience is equal, the person with the word has the edge. Somebody believes me. It's the truth. It's the truth. You know, the, the scripture says in, in uh, Proverbs, I have more wisdom than all of my teachers, Psalm 119 says, because of your word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word gives me what I need when I need it. You put, put the word in. Put the word in. All right, praise God. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask those that are gonna be baptized. You can head back. I'm in my last point, and uh, and and then when I'm done with that point, so I'll be pointless. <laughs> yeah, give them a hand. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Give me a high five right here. Come on, come on. Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> if, if we will worship, if we will give God the, the, the worship that he is worthy of and we'll put the word in our lives, let me tell you what's going to happen. Our witness and our works are for others to see Jesus clearly. Worship has a cleansing effect on us. It frees us from our own pride. It frees us from our own uh, will. Some, you know, I'm going to do it my way. You know, we, we learn to do it God's way. We learn to put uh, forgiveness, you know, unforgiveness underneath the blood. We learn to make things right with people. I want to encourage you. I felt like the Holy Spirit was delivering that to somebody today. Just be, you don't need an altar call. You just, you go find, go find that person that you have ought with and make it right. We don't need to be shouting that from the house. You just go make it right. You just go make it right. You know, uh, I, I share the story from time to time. A number of years ago, uh, we were doing a longer fast, a 21-day fast, um, and uh, and I was talking to a brother in the Lord. He was part of a Baptist church, and uh, and and he and I were on a job site together. I was putting some floors in, and we got talking. And I was probably day 17 on a fast, and he began talking to me about fasting. He said, "I've never fasted like that before." I said, well, you know, I, I see God doing some pretty incredible things in my own soul every time I fast, and, and it, that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't fasted. And so I bumped into him about a month later on, a, on another job, and uh, he was, he was uh, telling me about his experience because he felt inspired, so he turned around and went on his own fast. His church wasn't doing it. He just did it as unto the Lord. He fasted, and he, he told me a story. He said there was a, a, a local garage that was run by a, a man here, and he said, when I was 13 years old, I went to that man, and I wanted to buy a Volkswagen carburetor. This guy was kind of a gearhead, and he'd always worked on cars, and so he said he had one out back. It was junk, and he said, I wanted to buy the carburetor off him he wouldn't sell it to me and so he said I, I just got you know my little immature 13 year old self got a little indignant he said I waited till it was dark and I jumped over the fence and he said I took the carburetor and he said he was never the wiser he said I got it for my friend's car put put it on the put it on the car and he said uh, he said here I am 45 years old he said I'm 10 days into this fast and the Lord wakes me up 
and says, you need to make that right. He said, nobody knew, but the Lord knew. And he said, I sat down. He said, I looked up his address. He said, I wrote him a check for $300, put my phone number in there and put it in there. And he said, I, I mailed it off. He said, only when I mailed it off did the conviction of the Holy Spirit leave me that I needed to make it right. So a couple days later, I got a phone call. And uh, this man, and he was a man in the county for many years. And if I mentioned his name, you'd know who it was. And he said, uh, I always wondered what happened to that carburetor. I'm glad good things are happening in your life, but I'm tearing up your check right now. Your debt's paid. He said, now, and he went on to tell me about various breakthroughs that were beginning to happen in his life because he was sensitive to the person of the Holy Spirit. And what I believe happened was that at that time, he violated his own conscience when he was 13 years old. He knew he wasn't supposed to do that, but he violated his own conscience and that's the part of his life that the Holy Spirit wants to guide and direct. Talk to him in his heart of hearts. But here was this thing that, that he allowed to hang him up for 30 plus years. And a 10 day fast brought it out of him. And he responded to the Lord. Praise God for that. See, when we're people of worship and we're people of the word, our witness makes it so others can see Jesus can see Jesus. And it, God's, God's not just working in you for you. He's working his will in you so that everybody else can see Jesus in you. Isn't that great? Can we just stand this morning? Lord, let us be the kind of church where we prioritize worship because you are the preeminent one. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Lord, one day, we won't be worried about our mortgage. We won't be worried about what people say about us. We won't be thinking twice about that. Those things won't even enter into our minds. But in those moments, we'll just pause and worship and reflect on how amazing you are. So, Lord, we start that today. We choose to bring eternity into the realm of time today. We choose to buy up this moment to declare the glory of our God. To declare that every breath of ours is going to worship the living God. And that, Lord, uh, we will recognize that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would nourish ourselves on the word this week. That we would hide your word on the inside of us so that your word would sustain us in our time of need. And having done so, Lord, that people will see Jesus. Lord, I'm reminded of that as these young people have been part of this house and they've seen Jesus here. They've seen Jesus and they've decided to follow Not because the worship was great or the, or the preaching was awesome, but they saw Jesus. They saw Jesus. Lord, help us to be a church that always honors you and always gives place to the person of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is taking everything that belongs to Jesus and making it known to us. 
thank you for your blessing and your anointing right now. As we pause, we bow our heads. If there's anybody here that's never said yes to Jesus and you feel like today's your day because you've seen something in this worship or you've heard something in the word that's touched your heart and you see Jesus more clearly than you ever have, maybe it's just for the first time and you'd never made a commitment to him, would I? I, I would be remiss if I just didn't give an opportunity for you to, to surrender your life to him. If that's you, just slip up your hand all over this place all over this place, in the balcony, anybody this morning? Everybody's heart right with Jesus. You've never made things right. Amen. I see your hand back there. I see that hand over there, brother. Anybody else this morning? You want to be right with the Lord. You want to be, he's done everything he can do to make you right with him. He shed his own blood. He took all of your sin upon himself, went to the cross God raised him from the dead because he wasn't worthy of that curse. He was far above that curse. But he took the curse of sin upon himself so that you and I could go free. And all you have to do is accept him and respond to his love. See your hands this morning. Are there others? We're going to pray a prayer in a minute. If anybody around you, uh, you know, that uh, you've, you've raised your hand, you want to surrender to the Lord, I, I would encourage those that, uh, uh, that are next to you to take you to Inside Lighthouse at the end of the service. We're going to go into baptism here in just a minute. But to uh, make record of, of your commitment to the Lord. Let's pray this out loud together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. You took all of my sin all of my shame upon yourself you took the penalty of my sin and you took it completely away from me thank you Lord because that tomb now is empty I have a brand new life come into my heart save me and let me live a new life with you in the name of Jesus I pray amen Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Praise God.